And I believe this. There's two things when you're, when you, especially as a young man, if you didn't have a good daddy, there's two possibilities. You can be a better daddy than what you had. And the other possibility is you had a good daddy, and it's very rare, but you can have, you can be a better daddy even though you had a good daddy. Amen? And I told that to Pastor Josh. He said, you've exceeded them both, son, and I love you. And so I know that for every one of you here this morning, we all come from different situations and circumstances. But what I want to do is I really want to talk to you. We got a little reverb, a little, can we get rid of that? Is it just me? You'll hear that echo. Yeah. And if we can just address that, whatever, guys, I know. But one of the things is that I want to talk to you about this morning is something I preached in Crowley a couple of weeks ago. And I felt like it was just a word that I needed to speak to you this morning. Actually, I'm going to be in Bruce Arden uh, next week, and I'm going to speak this word there as well. And so what I want to do is I want you to turn with me to 2 Samuel or to your notes. And, um, and what we're going to do, I'm going to read a portion of Scripture, and I'm going to uh, just uh, stop and talk about it, and, and uh, I'll read it. So there was also Benaniah, the son of Jehada, a violent warrior of Cabazil. You imagine being, where are you from? I'm mad from Cabazil, me. But anyway, uh, he did many heroic, de- heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time on a snowy day, he chased the lion down into the pit and killed it. Once armed only with a club, he killed an Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Ben and I wrenched the spear from a, the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. Deeds like this made Benaniah as famous as the, 30 might, the three mightiest warriors. He was, he was more honored than all the members of the 30, though he was not one of the three. And David made him captain of the bodyguard. And so, Pastor, what does that have to do with anything? I want you to put that scripture up, and I want to read this, and I'm going to go right into the message. Go ahead, put it, uh, Coloss- it's not in your, uh, in your notes, uh, Colossians. We have to remember this. It says, for it was for the good pleasure of the Father that, he, that in him should all the fullness dwell. You know, everything you need is in the Father, God. Everything. David said that you're my portion, Father. No matter what I go through, when I feel empty, when I feel broken, you're my portion. And he says, and, th- and through him to, be, to reconcile all things into, in, unto himself, having made peace through the blood of, the cro- of his cross. Aren't you thankful for the blood that was shed for you and me? And it says this, it says, through him I say, whether things upon the earth or things in the heavens. And so I want you to understand this. I, I believe this. There's some people that live in such a way as that they just, they're, they're just living as the purpose of their life is they're, they're going to just want to die safely. They want to go to the ground safely. And I know this is that being in Africa, I've gone to Africa for many, many years and preached in many places, many situations there. And we have, we've support ministries, we've helped build churches, we've sent people from our church and, and our, some of our campuses. In fact, this is one church with three campuses. We have a church, we have a campus in Crowley, and we have a campus in Eunice. And uh, let me tell you, they're having church right now. And Brenda, it's so good to see you. You feeling better? Oh, so good. I'm glad, Brenda. I didn't, I didn't see you walk in, but I, I love Miss Brenda. That's my... My sister-in-law's sister. So we're not blood relatives, but we are relatives. But uh, she had, had some uh, issues, but you're looking good, girl. And, uh, 
And so what happened is uh, I... Uh, uh, I've been there, and I've gone on safaris. I've gone hunting there. Not because I've paid big bucks. It's because they know me, and we take, Pastor Bubba, we know you like to hunt. We take you hunting. And so I've been on safaris where you hear lions at night. I'm not talking a kitty cat. I'm not going, meow. I'm talking a full-on African lion. I'm not talking like going to the Baton Rouge Zoo, and you see the pitiful lion sitting there going, just laying on it, flies on it. I'm talking about a lion. And when a lion roars, it, sh- it displays two things. It displays its dominance and it displays its authority. And see, I believe this. We serve the lion of Judah. The same God that they put in the grave, they put him on the cross. And three days later, Jesus made a roar. Amen. And when he roared, He took dominance and he took authority over everything you face in your life. The Bible says that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave dwells in you and me. And that's some power, baby. Say, hooked up. My question is, are you hooked up? Are you hooked up to the power source that you need? When you face different situations and circumstances, are you hooked up? You see, you need to quit living. You need to run to the roar. I mean, when I was there this last time, my best friend and I, Mark, and we've been friends over 40 years, best high school friend. We were partners in crime, and now we're partners in Jesus. And we were taking a picture at a lion farm, and the lions were right there. Two of them. One was 700 pounds, one was 500. And we put our ham hocks... And I don't know what happened, but one of them got riled up, and he wanted my ham hog. And I thought, and you know, they have a cage with electric fence, all that kind of stuff. Listen, let me tell you, that's all a mind thing. If that lion wants to get through there, he's going to get through it. No, I'm not kidding you. And so, you know, and so you hear him, you hear him roar and stuff. And see, the purpose, you know, the, here's the thing. God, believe this, for every one of us, God has a God-sized goal and a dream for your life. Amen? Amen? And I don't think you would be here if you didn't have any. We're not here just to play church or act like church or this is just a formal thing we do. We come here because we are the church. And we know that when we gather together as the people, because the church is the people. Remember when you were a little kid, this, this is a church, this is a steeple, and you open up, and here's all the people, okay? And you are the people. But it's not for you to sit on your blessed assurance and say, Jesus is mine and everything's fine, but it's what we do with what God has put inside of us. Are y'all with me? So I believe this. I believe that God wants to give us a purpose. That's a big word. You hear that word all the time, man, what's your purpose? What's your, you know, what's your God call? What's, you know, and it's like the purpose, whatever your God has given you passion for, many times that's your purpose. And you can use your purpose for seeing many things. Go after a dream that is destined to fail without divine intervention. Unless God shows up, you ain't going to make it. And I believe this, stop pointing out your problems and become part of the solution. Quit blaming people from what you go through, why you can't become what God's called you. Well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know what, I didn't get. look at me. All of us have been wounded. All of us have been hurt. All of us have been treated like we shouldn't be treated. Come on, am I in the right place? Every one of you, well, you don't know my, you don't know my daddy's side of the family. They all crazy, Pastor. But no, I was, listen, you haven't seen my family either. And we can point the finger, instead of blaming people, we need to go, you know what, God, maybe there's something you want to do in me and I can become a solution to uh, to find the solution. You have stopped repeating the past. 
Start creating a future. You see, grab opportunity by the main. And don't give up and don't let go. What do you mean, Pastor? Live today if it's your first day or it's your last day. My wife was teasing me this morning. She was like, because I know my son Zach's coming over this afternoon. She was like, and I just woke up. I didn't sleep last night because the night before, they'd give me, I was coming off of withdrawals from the stuff they give you, you know what I mean? And, you know, I'm not, I wasn't an intravenous drug user, but I felt one for like a week. And, uh, and, and she goes, uh, I go, hey, babe. Uh, oh, she was cooking. She got up at, I don't know, 5 o'clock this morning. Started on two roasts for my kids and everything. And smelt good in the kitchen. And I go, well, what time did they come over? And she goes, baby, we talked about it last night. She goes, sometimes I get worried about you. I think you have the first signs of Alzheimer's. I said, well, baby, listening, part of one of my godly gifts is, is, it's called, is a strength in my life. It's called a woo strength where you can woo people and you're never afraid to meet people. And I said, well, baby, just look, if I get Alzheimer's, that's no problem. I'll meet new people every day. <laughs> so... Some of us, now listen to me, some of us have to learn to burn some sinful bridges. And some of us need to blaze some new trails. Are y'all with me? I'm not pointing you out. Listen, if you've got some stuff that you're just holding on to or you're hiding or you're, 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 you think you can't break through with that, let me tell you something. When I, when I finish today, I want you to be able to look to God and that Jesus would be your strength. And how could a guy like Ben and I run to a lion? And, and, and it wasn't in his strength. It was in the power of God. You see, listen, you need to live for the applause of the nail-scarred hands and the applause for people that are pulling for you. You see, how do we live for the applause of one? You don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Can I say that again? I read that this morning. I said, man, that's a good one. I, that's, that is good. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Sometimes we look it up. Well, I mean, I got it. You know what? God, here I am. You know my junk in my truck. You know who I am. You know that when I was driving here, me and the wife was getting after it. And I'm not talking about me and huggy, snuggy. Y'all was driving in the driveway, and you didn't see the greeter, and you're like, oh, the greeter. (laughs) You feel like your kids are manifesting in the Walmart line, you know, with the candy. Mama, give me, ah, You're trying to beat your children. ah. (laughs) You're trying to get here in peace. And then you got all these things that happened to us during the week. How many of you know got some, how many had some stuff happen during the week? Come on. How many had to deal with people, and maybe you wanted to say some stuff, or you did say some stuff, you think, but you know, maybe I shouldn't. Or you gave them peace symbols. I don't know what you did. <laughs> but here's the thing. For every one of us, you don't, when you, when you don't, don't dare, you know, we got to dare to fail. You know why they call it religion? Because it's a farm of God. Religion prays. Religion reads. They preach religion. But the difference is there's a relationship with Jesus. You pray to Jesus. You fall in love with the love letter called the Bible, and it becomes real. It did become distance because now you know the author of the book. 
And when you don't have intimacy or you don't know who the author is, you know what? It's hard to be intimate. You see, dare to be different. Quit holding out. Quit holding back. Quit running away. Here's the first thing I want to see. Listen what you need to do. Here's this guy, Benaniah, and he runs to the pit where there's a lion in the pit on a snowy day. The lion represents Satan. The Bible says this. The enemy uh, goes to and fro like a roaring lion, seeking to whom may devour. When he roars, he's trying to say, I have dominance over you, and I have authority over you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But the Bible says there's no weapon formed against us that will prosper. So we're all going to have fights with the enemy. Come on. For some of you, it's not the devil himself. It's a toothless, demonic imp that's fourth class with missing teeth. But here's the thing. He overcame a symbolic of what Satan was. He overcame the lion in a pit. You imagine on a snowy day, there's no grips on your feet on a snowy day. Let me just put it in South Louisiana. It's like being in a duck blind on a muddy day with a water moccasin in your pit. I've had that happen. You know, because I guide people on hunts and stuff. You open the lid from that whole year and you don't know what's in there waiting for you. I've been in, inside of, whoa, shoot, you know, and you don't want to shoot it. And I mean, Luke and I've been in with the, on that water and everything. You know, guys from above Alexandria, they don't know what to do with that kind of stuff. All they do is shoot deer. But anyway, that's like, it's like, it's kind of like one of those moments, like the song, freak out. Napoleon Bonaparte said there's two kind of courages. There's just regular courage. And there's two o'clock in the morning kind of courage. And sometimes when you need God, you need that two o'clock in the morning kind of courage. When you don't feel like it. Who feels like, like getting up at two o'clock in the morning? Who feels like being enthusiastic at two o'clock in the morning? Who wants to whisper in your wife's ear at two o'clock in the morning? Hey, baby. Brush your teeth and shut up and roll over. <laughs> The rarest attitude or attribute among generals in armies is two o'clock in the morning kind of courage. You see, Ben and I's life was never the same after chasing a lion. See, he killed a lion. The lion represents Satan. The spear, the Egyptian, represents the world. And the spear that he took is the power of that. And he took it away from the enemy and he killed him. And see, we're like pilgrims. I don't know if you ever read the movie or watched the movie or read the book. It's called Pilgrim's Progress. We're like pilgrims. We're all facing different attacks and things in our lives coming at us from different directions. But we know this, that if we keep our eyes upon the prize, even though lions come at us with fear, doubts, all these different things that come at us, we know that God will be with us. Amen? You see, what you, the first thing you got to learn to do is you need to learn to chase lions. You, you, you have your one idea, one risk, one, one idea away from a totally different life. Of course, it will mostly likely be 
the toughest decision you'll ever make in your life. But let me just, but we have to take huge risks. But if your dream doesn't scare you, your dream is too small. What do you mean? If you find someone in a pit, if you find a lion in a pit on a snowy day, you got a problem. Amen? And let me tell you, it may be your last problem. Think about it for a moment. How awesome would it look on your resume? Graduated high school, did this, went to and then the thing, lion slayer. Listen, there's a, a tribe in Africa called the Wari tribe in Africa. When they're 12 years old, 13, 14, it's like my son Luke. They go out and to prove they have, they have their manhood, they have to go kill a lion. Got your attention? All right. He was like, hey, I saw Sia went, whoa, really? And what they do is they have lion steaks. What's lion steaks? Not, you don't cut the lion and eat it. A lion steak is where you get a water buffalo or a cow, and you get one of the bones from around their pelvis area, and you make, like, points on it. And you learn to, you got to stick it in the lion's mouth. And when you get that, that lion steak in the lion's mouth, he can't close his jaw. Now, first of all, how in the world are you going to get close enough to put the lion steak in the lion's mouth? Number one is like, that ain't happening. And what happens is, my spiritual grandfather met one guy one time. He was a bodyguard for a guy in Africa. A scar across his face. And they were just talking. He said, you know, it's obvious. How did you get that scar? And he said, I'm from the Worry tribe. And he said, oh, did you kill a lion? It's just, yes, I did. And I became a man. You imagine, think about this. 13, 14 years old, and you come back into the village, and you just killed a lion? Come on, somebody. Every little teenage little guy that got one little hair coming from their chin. I mean, they went from like a hair to like, they're not single cupping anymore. They double cupping with a little stripe, little strud, little like, mm-hmm. Come on. I'm talking to you. Are you hearing me? Because they just overcame a lion. Let me say, what have you put on your resume, lion slayer? Because let me tell you something, when you serve God, you become a lion slaver. What you do is there are lions that are 500 pounders that are coming at you. And sometimes you don't see where they're coming from. Hello? Sometimes you're just an innocent bystander. But see, I believe this. If you find yourself that way in a pit, think about that moment. Ben and I have got the dream job. Think about it. His dream job was David's personal bodyguard. Wherever David went, there was Ben and I. And the only mighty man that went from David's kingdom to his son Solomon's kingdom was Benaniah. And he became general over the army for Saul, uh, Solomon. What did I say, Saul? I meant Solomon, David's son. And see, what happens is, is that I believe this... He became commander-in-chief. One decision. Listen, his one decision to face those things, to face his fears, determined his destiny. The second thing is you need to stop running from your fears. 
Who's got a T-shirt this morning? One of the Did y'all get anybody a T-shirt? Somebody throw me one. If it's in a, thank you, man of God. Man, Scott, I mean, man of God, you quick. All right, let me, I'm going to do something here. You know, fear, sometimes, if, if you can run away from, listen, if it, you can run away from what you are afraid of and become a runner for the rest of your life. How many are you talking about? I just can't face that. You don't know my daddy didn't face that. You feel like, man, my, my grandfather didn't overcome that. My, 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 my brother, I mean, my uncle. I mean, it's time to face your fears. It's time to take a leap of faith and learn to chase the lion. Of, you know, see, in every dream journey, there comes, let me just say, a moment when you have to quit living as if the purpose of your life is to arrive safely to death. In other words, you know, let me just, you must go after your dream that's destined to fail without God showing up. In plain English, let me just go big or go home. Okay, let me tell you something. Church is not about sitting with your blessed assurance and saying everything's fine and Jesus is mine. When Jesus gets inside of you, yes, you will fight things. You will face things. But he's with you. He's in you. He's for you. He's not against you. It doesn't matter the voices you hear in your mind or the things or lies you believe. It's all of a sudden you stepping up and going, today I'm stepping in the pit and I'm taking him out. You got to go over your dream. Most of us spend our lives running away from things we're afraid of. We forfeit our dreams on the altar of fear. And it like fears like this. Fear's like a tumor. It gets on you. You might not see it, but everybody else sees it. You got that same tumor your daddy had. Your mama had that. What tumor? I don't see no tumor. I mean, isn't it amazing? You can walk around with fear and unforgiveness and think nobody sees it, but they really do. The Bible says the eyes are the window of the soul. Are y'all with me? And what happens many times in our lives is, good catch. Is that we walk around thinking, you know what, it's just the way it is. I just like, I like that. No guts, no glory, baby. Most people believe God is real, but they don't live like it. Faithfulness is not holding down the fort. Faithfulness is chasing a 500-pound lion that's coming at you, trying to take your family out. Guys, listen to me. If the enemy's coming after your children, your wife, your finances or whatever it is, your placement or who God's called you to be, you don't need to let that thing show up in your house. You need to chase it out. You need to make a stand. Are y'all with me? I'm not mad at anybody, I promise. But there is a brand of religion that seems to be okay with just breaking even. Don't do this, don't be that, or uh, you'll be safe. But the problem is you... you <laughs> You can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. You ever notice that? Breaking even equals breaking bad, not the, not the show. God has called us to play offense with our lives. Not we're in a defensive mode. We become offensive. And that's what the enemy's afraid of. 
What did Benaniah do? He ran at it. He ran. He took the spear out of an Egyptian warrior. There was a champion, and he took it out, and he took him out with his own weapon. Whatever the, wep- the enemy throws at you, sometimes you need to take those weapons he's throwing at you and throw it right back at him. Are you hearing me? And some of you, this week, this month, the, you know, Brenda was in the hospital. I mean, we had, uh, uh, Carrie found out his 12-year-old son has a, has a tumor in his head. We had a guy in the first service, it was just two years, his son was killed in this town. There are people that have walked through divorce. They've walked through pain. Are you hearing me? And the enemy comes at them like a lion. Those who run away from what's wrong will never amount to more than just a half Christian. When you lack guts to chase the lion, you rob God of his glory that he deserves. Because guess what? The Bible says, in our weakness, he is made strong. That don't mean Pastor Bubba's strong. That don't mean you strong. That means God in you is strong. How many of you got some healed marriages? Come on, let's just get rid of on. The only reason your marriage is healed is because of Jesus. Come on. And you put yourself maybe in a life group, hanging out with people, seeing other examples and everything else. And then, you know, you go, wow. And some of us, you know, we don't get instructions when you're born. You know, I mean, everything's trained. I mean, you got to get potty trained. You know what I mean? You can't read. And then you go through life, how to make decisions. And then when you get to be, a, when you start dating and you get married and they don't give you no, like, instructions, how to treat a woman, how to, you know, all those, come on. And you get, you get, after so many years, you just go, well, I'm pretty screwed up. I thought my daddy, mama was screwed up, but I am screwed up. And then guess what happens? Is when you get frustrated in life, you know what really starts to happen? The inner jerk inside every one of us tries to come out. And then when we do and we don't chase the lion, you know what you do? We yell at things we shouldn't yell at. We talk about things we shouldn't talk about. We look at, fa- we have facial expressions we shouldn't have. Because you can say, no, I'm, 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 I'm okay. I'm good. I'm 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 good. Right. And then you say things because you don't know how to deal with the own pain in your own heart, in your own life. The third thing is your destiny happens. Your destiny happens one decision at a time. You know what I mean? It's, it's got to be a daring decision, a difficult decision, a counterintuitive decision because let me tell you something. You fulfill your destiny one decision at a time. You are one encounter away from your destiny. I learned this. No conflict, no story. You know what testimony means? A testimony means this. I've been through a test. God was with me, and I got a story to tell you. That's what a testimony is. It's just it. That's what it is. You see, if you want to live epic, you got a, you know, heroic, impressive, great life. If you want to ha- have life that's exciting, let me see. You, you have to become epic. You have to, cha- you have to overcome every epic challenge you and I face in our lives. You see, you have to take epic risks. You have to take some, some big sacrifices. I think about this. David. 
14, 15 years old. His daddy, Jesse, says, son, I want you to go out and see how your, bo- your brothers are doing in the battle. Bring us some cheese. And he gave them ba- some lunch. And, and come back and tell me how everything's going. And we know the story of David and Goliath. And he goes out there and he's, t- he's going over there, bringing the cheese and everything to his brothers, delivering it. And all of a sudden, he, for 40 days, 40 days, the, Philist- the Philistine champion stood in the valley. You know what Philistine means? Sameness. You know what a lot of people have a problem with? Staying sane. Sameness begets lameness and lameness begets tameness. Boy, that's good. I'll write a book on that one. And that's exactly where the enemy wants you. And what happened is there's this champion. He's going out into the valley every, every day for 40 days. Taunting them. Saying, your mama. Your mama's so big. We used to do that all that mama's thing. Your mama. Your mama's so big. She irons her pants on the driveway for an ironing board. Your mama. No, we used to do things like that. I mean, I should forgive me. But you know where I'm going. And what happened is, David hears this, but he's talking about their God too. And David had a relationship. He said, and I love this part. He goes, who is this? And I like, he gets personal. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that start, is taunting the armies of God? My question is, how did he know? <laughs> and then he gets out into the valley to meet the giant. I mean, before he goes out there, you know, he said, I'll go out there. I'll take that giant out. I'll do whatever I got to do. And, you know, like, and Saul, the king who should have been out there, he said, well, put my armor on. He goes, and it doesn't fit him. He's not... I'm not used to it. He said, man, look, I go out there, and I, look, I face the bear. The bear of oppression and depression. I faced it when I watched my father's sheep, and God was with me, and I took out the bear. Then there was the lion of lust. The lion that came at me in the middle of the night. The lion that came at me when I was watching my father's sheep, and God was with me, and I took it out. And who is this? Man, that he taunts the armies of the living God. And we know he got five rocks, went out to the valley, and the guy looked at him. You can go read the story. Goliath says, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And I love David. said, no, I come in the name of the Lord God Almighty and take this one, baby. Pow! Let me tell you something. That's you and me. God's telling us every one of us is going to face a giant. Come on. Have you faced some giants this week? Have you faced some doubts and fears? Have you had the news that didn't go along with what you wanted it to go to? Have your mate talked to you the way they should have? And then, then, come on. Am I in the right house? Because if I'm not, I'll go find somewhere else to preach this morning. But I believe in the right place. But let me say this. Ben and I faced his, his lion on a snowy day, and he took it out. You see, in every storyline, there's a defining moment. 
a turning point, a tipping point. It's a point of no return. It's where you go, you know what? Today I'm making that step. Not, not tomorrow. Not next week. I've been saying that all my life. Today I'm making my step. Today I'm going to cross the line. Today I'm going to trust God. Today God's going to be my strength. Today I'm not going to play religion anymore, but I'm going to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his blood's going to wash me. And I will be able to do incredible things through his power and through his grace. Because it's not me, it's all about him anyway. Amen. Amen. I mean, there's two, you know, how many of you know that there's two basic varieties of things that can happen to you? First, I wrote this down, things that happen to you that you can't control. How many of you have had some of those things? It's just something like, well, how about that one, Pastor Bubba? Good, I'm going to come to it. And the second one is things that you made happen that you can control. You see, I believe this. Of course, even if something is out of your control, look at me. You still have control over your reaction. Got real quiet here when I said that one. Because here's what it says. The Bible says the anger of man never accomplishes the purposes and the desires of God. Anger is just one letter away from add D to it. It means danger. When you allow anger and you follow anger, you become dangerous. You see, you, you might not be responsible, but you are responsible. It's your ability to choose your response that you will, it will in your response. Listen to me, guys, ladies, your response determines your destiny. Does that make sense? And the last and final point is this. Life is about inches. I read a story about a guy, his name is Ed Catmull. Ed Catmull was 12 years old, and he was driving on vacation with his family in 1957 through the Grand Canyon. And as they were driving, remember, he's 12 years old. He's driving through the Grand Canyon with his mom and dad. And what happens is he's, uh, he's just driving, and, and as they're going through the Grand Canyon, they have all these sharp curves, and some of these curves in the Grand Canyon don't have guardrails. And so what happens is they're coming around a turn, and as they're coming around the turn, there's another car coming at them at the, in the lane, in part of their lane. And his dad makes like, his mom screams, ah! How many men you've heard your wife do that? Okay, listen, let me tell you something. This week we were in Atlanta, and I had my friend there, Vince Hungate. He, was pick, he brought us to the airport, and he has a ministry, ministers all people all everywhere. And, and Vince and I are talking, and we're literally getting close to this car. My wife sees the brake light, and my wife goes, ah! And he goes, and we're both, what's up? I said, brother, she's just concerned about the way you're driving. She goes, no, I'm worried about two ADD people talking to each other and not aware of anything going else besides what they're talking about. Because when you're driving, you're looking at him, and he's looking at you, and y'all ain't looking at the cars in front of you. His mom screams. Ed Catmull's mom screams. His daddy swerves. They come two inches from the edge. Two inches and they drive off the cliff. 
That's how close we came to missing Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, up. Why? Because Ed Catmull is the founder and president of Pixar, the animation studios, and that means no Ed, no Toy Story 1, 2, or 3. Life's about inches. Life's about circumstances. I met my wife in Texas in 1980, September 1980, I remember. I remember the first time I ever saw her, I said, man, she's kind of pretty, but she's kind of straight-laced, and I was kind of a hippie, just got saved like three months when I was at Bible college, so I was new. And God put us there. And then I heard her pray, and I thought, wow. She loves God. And through, and in almost four years to the day after meeting her, we walked down the aisle. Uh, we've been together for 32, almost 33 years in two months. We've been together 33 years. I don't believe it's a coincidence. I believe it was the providence of God. When we moved here, I remember my son, he was 15. Claire was in the youth group. Claire, Paige, Allie, you know, all those, I remember all of them when they were in the youth group and they were all young. And I remember Zach comes to me at 15 years old and he goes, Dad, I have to talk to you. I thought he was going to share a problem or, you know, and he goes, Dad, we need to have a talk. And I go, okay, what's up? He goes, Dad, I found my wife. You what? I found my wife, Claire. I go, son, you need to let the heifers graze a while. You're 15 years old. I mean, what do you know? But can I tell you something? They stay true, right, love each other. And today, that is my daughter-in-law who's beautiful, gorgeous, drop-dead beautiful, beautiful in heart and spirit that raises most of my grandchildren, five and six went on the way. They believe in love and something else, but anyway. <laughs> But also, I remember this. I remember when Josh and Lindsay was in our discipleship school. They did not like each other. Is that the truth? That is the truth. But Josh started, I noticed he had a, Lindsay used to work at the front desk at the, in, it was in Lafayette. We didn't have a church office back then. It was just, it was an um, office complex that someone let us use. And she would be at the front desk. With, Anything you needed, you had to go through Lindsay. And I noticed Pastor Josh started going, you know, I need to go to Lafayette. I'm going to get the, I need to go get something. I need, I need to go this. And then I remember when he was telling me. I think I'm kind of like Lindsay. And then Lindsay started coming and visit. Remember that? And she ended up moving with Jamie, Pastor Jamie and Cheryl. And then it became a love story. I don't believe in con- I don't, can I, I don't, people go, oh, it's just a coincidence. No, I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in the providence of God. Yeah. See, the providence of God, let, let, my, let me put my cards on the table, and I don't, I don't believe it's a coincidence. If you're living a spirit-filled life, the Bible says the steps of a righteous man, which also means a woman, are ordered by God. You didn't get married to your tormentor, God. You married the gift God gave you. Treat it like a good gift. That's another message. 
I believe in providence and because that, you know what providence is? It's God's, God's manifestation of his care and his direction and his love for I believe in, in the sovereign God who's ordering your footsteps, preparing good works in advance, making all things work together for good. Of course, some things don't make sense until we get to heaven. Amen? Why we walk through things or why things happen to us or why did this have to happen in my life? Those answers, those, I can't give you those answers, but I know God's good. If you want God to do something new, you can't keep doing the same old thing. When you, let me ask you a question. What do you need to stop doing today? Whether it's a stop doing list or a start, a start doing list. Come on. A dream without a to-do list is just a wish list. And see, don't get overwhelmed by the size of the lions that you face. Focus on the first step. If you don't do it, you become a yesterday man or a yesterday woman. But no, yesterday they were doing this, but boy, they just stopped. And you became, you see what God wants you to do? He wants you to become a today man and a today woman. That you begin, you know what? Today I make the step today. And you know what? Your steps today will affect everything down the road in your life. Are you hearing me? I called my stepfather this morning. And my stepfather raised me from the time I was 10. I had two men, my dad. And it's unfortunate my parents got divorced at 10 years old. But I called him and I thanked him for my, for, I mean, he put me through private school. He took me hunting to some of the best places in the world. And I'm not kidding you. If you go in his game room, he's got a 3,200 square foot game room. It's about the, almost the size of this with animals everywhere from all over the world. You think my, my bathroom's like a rumper room starter kit. <laughs> and I said, you know what? Thank you for always telling me the truth, always speaking to me like a man, teaching me how to work, I just want to thank you. And he's, he's, you know, he's funny. And I said, you really did. I mean, you, I just want to let you know, you, you were just not just an example, but you, you talked to me like, you talked to me to man up sometimes. And I needed that. And not in a mean and divisive way, but in a straight up way. And he, we were joking about some things and my mom just got out of the hospital and he just said, you know what, I had, I had a few people come to me over the years and said, yeah, y'all have nine kids. And he goes, yeah, there's a few I'd sell. And he said, there's a few I'd keep. And I said, well, I know I was in your for sale list for the first 10, first 10 years you raised me. But he goes, yeah, maybe so, but you're on my to keep list now. And for me to hear that, you know, my wife, I mean, just like, you know what that did to me? Because can I tell you something? Every child wants to be named by their father. A mother's important. And let me tell you something. If you weren't named, all you got to do is look in the Bible. Fearfully, wonderfully made by the hand of God. Apple of his eye. He knows every hair on your head, even if you're follically challenged. He says, my thoughts towards you are like the grains of sand. 
That's a good God. Look at me. The struggle's real, but listen to me. But so are the blessings. See, the gospel doesn't require gimmicks. It's just being real. 